Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite (laughs) enlighten you. Maybe we never blow your minds. Maybe we have no brains, Uh, but hopefully you just have a good time listening. So today we are continuing our horror movies for a rainy night theme. And so we're going to be talking about the 1985 film, The Return of the Living Dead, a.k.a. one of the greatest zombie films ever made, in my opinion. Agreed. (laughs) This was directed and written by Dan O'Bannon, who... Uh, many of you probably know, got to start collaborating with John Carpenter on, on Carpenter's first film, Dark Star. Uh, he then went on to write the film Alien for Ridley Scott. Oh, shit. Another film that he directed is The Resurrected with Chris Sarandon, which, if I remember correctly, is based on an H.P. Lovecraft story, which, it, it's a good film. I, yeah. I recommend checking it out. So, Bannon's had quite the career, <laughs> or had quite the career. He has passed away now. But yeah, so he had quite the career, and the film stars Tom Matthews as Freddy. Many of you probably know Tom Matthews from his most famous role, Tommy Jarvis, in the Friday the 13th franchise when he <laughs> showed up in Part 6, Jason and lives and he's still currently doing fan films actually he just did Aww. never or he's been doing the never hike alone films uh that are like sort of a uh, friday the 13th inspired fan film so why have i oh, never seen these i feel like i've showed one of these to you but if not we'll have to do that because they're actually quite good uh, you can find most of them or all of them on youtube i believe uh from Womstomp films so Definitely check those out if you haven't seen them. But anyway, so yeah, stars Tom Matthews, Freddie, Linnea Quigley as Trash. You know, Linnea, I don't really think I have to say much about her. You all probably know who she is. You know, the the quote-unquote queen of the bees, as she was once dubbed. Well-known for her roles in Night of the Demons. She's the chick that has the lipstick disappear into her tits. Of course she is. <laughs> uh, and this was actually her breakout role. And uh, according to her, her worst experience ever in dealing with makeups. Oh, <laughs> that's so sad. It is. And, and we'll probably get into some of that as we go through this. Uh, the film also stars Clue Gallagher as Bert, who is an actor who grew up as a ranch hand. He was a Marine. Uh, He started acting after doing army plays and kind of getting sort of a bug for acting. He did a lot of Western series, and Return of the Living Dead was actually kind of like a second life for him as an actor, you know, because he was getting up in age, and it was kind of an opportunity for him to kind of make his way into the horror genre. So Mm -hmm. after this, he did films like A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, did the film Feast, which is actually really fun. Uh, If you've never seen that, I suggest checking that out. It might still be on Tubi. I don't know. Uh, But it's a great creature feature that he's in. And then the film also stars... This is my last one, I swear. (laughs) The film also stars uh, Miguel A. Nunes as Spider, uh, who many of you probably know him as Demon from Friday 13th Part 5. 
you know, uh, he's the enchiladas guys. <laughs> <laughs> Those goddamn enchiladas. That's not how he says it. But And this is actually kind of big for him because that also came out in 1985, the same year as The Return of the Living Dead. So, so listen, I could go on about this cast forever because basically everyone in this is fantastic. Yep. Uh, but I wanted to, you know, list some of those horror stars that you're all probably familiar with. So... And as for what The Return of Living Dead is about, it's basically kind of an unofficial sequel to Night of the Living Dead, where the premise is that the Night of the Living Dead was actually based on a true story, and the actual Living Dead, which were brought to life by some kind of military chemical spill, uh, have been contained in these canisters and somehow found their way to this shitty warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on, the, on Freddy's first day working, he and... Uh, Frank, played by James Karen, who both work for Bert, Clue Gallagher, uh, they go down to check out these canisters. Frank smacks one of them. The chemical leaks, and before they know it, they've got zombies running all over the place. <laughs> uh, so that's the basic plot. Um, we are going to be spoiling this film, so if you have not seen it before, please go check it out. Uh, it is streaming on Tubi as of the moment, so see it there if you can if you can't i highly recommend re renting it this is an amazing yes. movie i promise you'll have a good time with it it's this, just too much fun not to watch it it's it's easily i think for me really it's it's the best zombie film that's not a george romero movie so <laughs> yeah it's definitely up there for me i have a hard time choosing because i love dead snow so much well, Dead Snow is great, too, yeah. and, and and you could argue that Dead you know, this was kind of a precursor to Dead Snow, like mm -hmm. a, a film like The Return of the Living Dead set the groundwork and the foundation for a film like Dead Snow, because yeah. this is the first kind of like major zombie comedy, so, yep. <laughs> but anyway, we are going to be spoiling it, but before we do that, we have our brief little spoiler-free content, so uh, as usually, we've got our tagline versus the film, and just kind of what we think of the movie overall, so the tagline for The Return of the Living Dead was... They're back from the grave and ready to party. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think of the tagline? And what do you think of the Return of the Living Dead overall? I mean, obviously the tagline is perfect. Like, it just sums up for me so much in this movie about how much fun you're going to have watching this film and how scary it can be, too. You know, this movie does a great job of balancing having good, like, scares and creepy moments and great, like, special effects and the zombies are so cool with having legitimately, like, fun comedy moments. And, look, the costuming of this is amazing. Like, yes, I, it is. I would love this movie on costuming alone, but that you know, plus super fun characters that, like, I love or I love to hate just definitely make this one of my favorite zombie films. And, look, the George Romero films are great. Are you about to say that the Romero movies are not good? No, no, no. I'm not saying that they're not good, but I do like this one better than the Romero that, films. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, look, they're, they're com I mean, well, it'd be fine anyway, but, you know, mm -hmm. they're completely different tones uh, completely different tones you know yeah. and, and that and that was part of the thing with the return of living dead is that so so this is based on a story from uh johnny russo and and others and it, it originally the script was actually a lot more serious as a direct kind of sequel to night of the living dead it was kind of you know it was a lot it was a lot closer to what romero had done in kind of like a serious sort of zombie horror story right mm -hmm. and when o'bannon got the job to direct you know he well first of all he just kind of in a sense, sort of threw that script out and was like, we're making a comedy. Uh, and, shit. <laughs> and, and, and the intention was, you know, they didn't want to step on Romero's toes. So he figured, mm -hmm. okay, we're just going to do something completely different and wild. And it, 
you know, kind of make our own thing. You know, we don't we don't just want to continue the direction that Romero was going. We want to do something different. And so that's kind of where that comes from. So yeah, they're completely different zones. And so this is the kind of movie where like, look, you know, if this is your favorite zombie film, I totally get it because the Romero movies, while I think they're great, they're slower, they're more serious, they're you know, they're kind of more an existential crises kind of <laughs> apocalyptic type movie, right? And Return of the Living Dead, like the tagline says, is we're going to have a fucking party with zombies. <laughs> yeah, I'm not always ready for an existential crisis. So, I look, the thing that I love about this is, you know, this is a horror comedy that also changed the landscape. This movie added to the zeitgeist of what we think of as zombies. And I think that that's so cool just because... I don't know. A party rock and roll zombie films with punks like change the landscape of zombies, and that's well, awesome. Well, I mean, this is the thing too: is like you know, the Return of the Living Dead. It is even more than the one of the best zombie films ever made. Mm. It's one of the best punk horror movies ever made. Yes, you know, one of the best punk movies. Period. Right? Mm. Like it just in the eighties when this film was conceived. You know, we were going through the Cold War. There was this kind of like pessimism that had been really present in the 70s right mm -hmm. and and you know there was just kind of like let, let's just say we're becoming like less optimistic right <laughs> these were like the reagan era too in the 80s you know mm -hmm. and and that was a time that just like was a huge attack on youth and the queer community and just yep. you know everything that the everything the punk community stands against right <laughs> like the punk community is all about embracing of the outcast and the unwanted and whatever mm -hmm. so the returning like that it just came at the perfect time i think and kind of acted as like this not just a party film but you know a film for teenagers to go watch and be like that's me on screen you know because yeah. because that was something too that you know i've talked about this before that as much as i love the horror genre something that it was always kind of missing uh for a long time is that th the characters were often the people that i kind of hated you know <laughs> like like they like they were often the people that picked on me in high school and mm -hmm. were kind of dicks you know and and it was really rare that you saw kind of the more like punk kind of outcast kids be the heroes yeah and and the return of living dead is kind of one of these examples that came out in the 80s where it was like no we're we're gonna make a movie about you you know so mm -hmm. it really I think just for all the horror fans that feel like outcasts, you know, it, it's a movie for us. Yes. So, <laughs> so no, it's just an incredible film. And like you said, it, it really changes zeitgeist for zombies. You know, this is the zombie film that gave us the trope of zombies eating brains. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up as a kid before seeing The Return of the Living Dead. I grew up as a kid thinking that that came from Romero and his zombie movies. Mm -hmm. And when I eventually watched The Return of the Living Dead for the first time and found out like, oh, it's, you know, it's from this. <laughs> uh, that was like mind blowing for me, you know? And, and I think a lot of people forget that. We kind of, mm -hmm. you know, Romero's zombie films, uh, they're so amazing that, you know, the, uh, the, the culture, I think, just kind of assumes in a sense of like, oh, everything we know about zombies came from Romero. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the case, you know. It, Return of the Living Dead did a lot for zombies. And, and it kind of like, in a sense, continued the path that Romero was on mm -hmm. in sort of developing this whole idea of like, yeah, they eat brains. <laughs> uh, I remember, because I was the same thing. I grew up knowing that zombies eat brains. As a yeah. kid, you just pretend to be a zombie chanting brains. Mm -hmm. And I remember when you started introducing me to zombie films, I'd watched a couple beforehand. But when you started introducing me to all the Romero stuff I kept watching being like why aren't they eating brains what the fuck is happening and like watching Return of the Living Dead is this this huge yes moment when you finally get the brains moment I, I mean I mean think of how incredible that is you know like really honestly between we'll, we'll move on to the actual movie in a second <laughs> I swear but 
but but think about how incredible that is with both Romero and O'Bannon contributing that sort of you know that sort of element to the zeitgeist of zombies you know because before Romero zombies were you know they, they were like a, a voodoo spell essentially you know yeah. like that that was what they were associated with in films like white zombie and i walk with a zombie you know it was it was about voodoo and mind control mm-hmm. and that sort of thing and it wasn't until romero that zombies actually became no they're the living dead and and then we get the brains with the with the eternal living dead and i just just think how incredible that is because zombies you know they're not they're not like Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees. They're not like a singular thing. Mm-hmm. You know, zombie, like anybody can go make a zombie movie. Yet Romero and O'Bannon defined like what this classic monster is for us, right? Yeah. You know, kind of like Stoker did with Dracula or Mary mm-hmm. Shelley did with Frankenstein, you know, like, or Frankenstein's a monster. You know, I, I just think of all the times growing up, like seeing zombies, like shouting brains and comics and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And it's just like, wow, that all came from this film. So yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so that's enough uh, sucking the dick of the Return of the Living Dead. So <laughs> uh, so we are going to move into spoilers now. So again, if you have not seen it, please go do so. We are going to talk about everything in this film that we can get to. So, so that being said, let's just start off with the fact that another, I think, maybe forgotten element by people who are not fans of this movie or, or not very familiar with it. This is a 4th of July film, you know, it's like, <laughs> so let's just start off with like, what are your thoughts on that? You know, the, the fact that this opens on July 3rd and mm. takes us all the way through to July 4th. What, you know, what is your sense of like why that is for this? I mean, look, I kind of take this movie almost as like an ode to American incompetency. <laughs> And like, okay. and the rule of ostensibly capitalism. Oh, it's um, definitely about how much capitalism sucks. <laughs> yes. Um, and I feel like, you know, that's perfect for 4th of July because America is so defined by capitalism and the almighty dollar, right? So yeah, look, everything in this film happens because there are people in there that are either incompetent or not great at their job or ostensibly it's a, it's a boys will be boys situation because like that's how we kick off is just... You know, Frank just wants to impress Freddy, like his new hire, so much that he takes him into the basement to show him the canisters. That's such a, like, an adorable, like, boy friendship. Boys will be boys of, like, hey, you want to see this cool, gross thing? Yeah, but that's not, but that's not like the boys will be boys as we know it now. No, it's the the charming. Yeah, now boys will be boys is like, Oh, they're they're fucking rapists. They get away with it, you know. Like that's that, that's what that saying applies to now. So. Yeah, I'm using it in like the adorable male yeah. friendship sense. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, after that, it really is all about like you know this this American kind of incompetency and like overhype of their own self. And for me, that's really in that moment where you know Freddie asks Frank. They're looking at the canisters, and he's just like, "Hey, is is this safe?" And Frank's just like, oh, yes, this was designed by, like, top American army engineers. Top minds. <laughs> <laughs> and then he bangs a canister and the shit just falls apart. Yeah, I mean, the joke that I've known my whole life is if it mm. says made in America, it's craps. Exactly. <laughs> this is one of my favorite things about The Return of the Living Dead is that it is a very much, you know, if you can't tell from the characters and the punk attitude of it, mm-hmm. it's very much an anti-establishment movie, which is why I love it. Yeah. You know, it's also why John Carpenter was one of my favorite directors, because he always tended to make, you know, very, like, anti-capitalism, anti-establishment type horror movies. Mm-hmm. And, and O'Bannon is no different here with Return of the Living Dead. You know, it's 
it's to me it's all about in the sense that it follows these you know you've got these uh punk characters that you're following the whole setting is this you know run down decrepit part of america where Mm -hmm. where everything is like shitty and covered (laughs) and covered in graffiti Mm -hmm. and like you know the warehouse is crap and dirty and you know it's just like it, it it's almost kind of this you know this like look at what america really is mm-hmm. you know because because you know america's so glorified often yeah. in movies especially you know around this time and beforehand uh less so now <laughs> uh but america had always been so glorified that you know this is kind of like the rare movie that's like, you know, there are all these corners of America that people don't, you know, you don't know about it if you live in the suburbs or yeah. if you grow up in those areas, you know. You don't know how, like, shitty it actually is out there. <laughs> to me, it just kind of, between the fact that this all sort of begins with Freddie having a job and, you know, mm. working at this warehouse, which, by the way, I love kind of the idea that the return of living dead all happens because freddie gets a job <laughs> like that's you know t- to me that's just part of the commentary of like you know yeah. this is, t- it, this is what it is is like the return of living dead is this piece about how you know the youth is just being thrown into the grinder mm-hmm. of america yeah you know that that's what we are and we've especially seen that you know in the last couple of years like mm-hmm. you got to be blind to not realize you know through this pandemic of just how much America is like, hey, go fuck yourself, work for me and die, bitches. Like, well, and make that, that make that under minimum wage and die for my fucking third yacht, you know? Well, and that's literally what happens to Frank and Freddy throughout this, mm. you know, because there are certain moments in this movie where, you know, our characters could have been more responsible, more competent. Like, look, they only end up with the, the canisters at that medical supply thing because of a shipping mistake. Mm. And, like, these dudes easily could have called the number on the thing, returned the things, and not have to deal with it. Well, it's it's mistakes all around yeah. from, from upper management, right? You know, exactly. it's, it's, it's this sense that, like, the people at the top don't give a fuck, and mm-hmm. so it all kind of filters down to the people on the bottom and makes their lives shit. <laughs> yeah, like, instead of calling, like, once they bust open the canisters, instead of, again, calling the army, calling the police, trying to get a handle on the situation, and, like, maybe helping themselves, like, mm. both... Frank and Freddie try to deal with it and don't want to involve, like, the boss. And, like, when Freddie even calls that out of, like, why the fuck aren't we doing these things? Frank's response was basically, like, you like this job, right? You want to stay working here? It's just, like, you guys both got dosed with shit that you don't even know what this is. Yeah, no, this job sucks. This job (laughs) sucks. And, you know, to your point about it being a meat grinder is, like, you know, Freddie took a job not because he wants to work in medical, like a medical supply company, but mm. because like they fucking need money. Like, yeah, I, I mean, and, and, and don't forget too, you know, this is coming off of like, you know, not directly after, but like off the years of Nam, you know, mm-hmm. and just just the countries in this place of like, you know, youth is just being like America is a grinder, yeah, and youth is just being pushed through it, you know, to be pa- processed and packaged <laughs> and you know devoured basically by the rich. Like that's kind of what you know, this is all about, essentially. I do really love all of the kind of anti-job commentary. Like, I love when you, you know, something about Dan O'Bannon that's really fun is he kind of, he, he sort of uh, frames his films in a sense where, like, he, he wants viewers to, to watch his movies and be able to pause every frame and kind of, like, find fun little things, mm-hmm. you know, because he was a big fan of, like, uh, of, like, comics and the newspapers and stuff, you know, and, and how the artists kind of always put little di- little bits in for you to find. 
And so, you know, there's all kinds of that in the Return of the Living Dead. And one of my favorites is when it, you look in Frank's office and there's an, uh, an eye reading chart or mm-hmm. an eye chart, right? And it says something along the lines of like Bert is a slave driver. And then I think it goes on to say more than that, <laughs> something about him being an asshole maybe. What's great is then you get the contrast you know, you've got everything going on in the setting of where the zombies are coming to life, but then you get the contrast of the Colonel Glover character, uh, played by Jonathan Terry, who, you know, is this American, like, military grunt. Well, not mm-hmm. a grunt, he's a colonel, but, you know, you get the contrast of that, and you see, we go from, like, this warehouse, this dirty, decrepit warehouse, mm-hmm. to here's this, like, you know, military guy living in this posh, rich mansion. Mm-hmm. He's got his American flag outside. It's like the first thing that we associate him with because it's the first shot when we establish his house. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's living this rich life. They got a mansion. They're, you know, his wife's all dressed in fancy clothes. and like, uh, He's upset because she made pork chops for dinner and he had that for lunch. Who fucking has lamb chops for lunch? Yeah, that's my question, too. I don't know. Like, where the fuck do you even buy pork chops for lunch? Like, who does that? (laughs) I don't know. I do just say one of my favorite things about that house, though, is, like, I was reading, and they didn't do anything to that interior. Like, you know those ugly-ass murals? The house was just like that. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's actually really funny. I I highly recommend listening to the commentary from O'Bannon on this film because, (laughs) first of all, he was a funny guy. And when you listen to him and they go through that whole house set – He's like, he says something along the lines of like, yeah, you know, we didn't set dress any of this. That's, that's someone's actual taste right there, you know? And, <laughs> so and, ugly. And it is so funny. Like, I won't mention specifically who, but like, you know, it, it is kind of funny how rich people do tend to have awful taste in arts. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they do. But, you know, so there's just a great contrast with that of like, you know, this idea that, okay, if, if there's a partial sort of war commentary here and how youth is put through this grinder to go to war for America, work for America, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you see people like the colonel at the top that are just living this sweet life. Yeah. And granted, he's an asshole and he seems miserable as fuck. Good. Um, good, but, <laughs> but, you know, but he's otherwise living just like, you know, basically living on this wealth that's kind of created through all of the fucking, you know, pain and misery of the rest of the country. So. Yeah. For me, it's really the the comparison between him and the fact that our, our kid group, who I fucking love, like, when we first meet them, they're trying to just figure out a place that they can go, a place to hang out, because that's mm. what kids do. Kids want to hang out together and socialize. And, like, you know, this colonel can go to his nice fucking mansion, but these kids can't even go to the park without being worried about the cops fucking shooting them. Yeah. Like, that's their worry. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that just plays right into the whole, like, anti-establishment thing of, you Mm -hmm. know, you can't trust cops, you can't trust the government, like, they're all basically out to get you, you know? (laughs) And they are. And they are. (laughs) Uh, I mean, for God's sakes, we've seen plenty of that in the last couple years, too, you know, of just how, you know, fucking shitty the police are at their job. Mm -hmm. But no, I I do love this character group, you know, because, again, going back to, like, the sort of punk element to Return of the Living Dead... You know, you do have this group that is like the definition or the embodiment of what it means to be punk in the sense that, you know, punk isn't just it isn't just like, you know, colored hair and chains mm-hmm. and leather jackets and shit like that. It's, you know, it, it's it, the idea of punk is you you are an outcast and yeah. and 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 the, the punk community is like, you know, that's where you're embraced. That's where you belong. You're part of the punk community if you're an outcast. And so I, you know, one of my favorite things about this film has always been the fact that you do have this group of kids that the first time you kind of look at them, you, you sort of have this thought of like, how do all these kids know each other? You know, like how, <laughs> like how do they all kind of go together? Because we're so trained by like movies and society that, hmm. you know, well, you're just, you have your group and you, you go sit with them at the lunch table mm-hmm. and you don't hang out with those other groups, you know? And <laughs> 
Yeah, and for me, like, it's, again, it comes down to the costuming because you do have such a wide range of costuming between the characters just because you have, like, you know, Spider and Scuzz and Trash and Suicide who are all all very, very punk. Mm. Um, and on the flip side, you have Tina, you know, the girlfriend of Freddy, who's played by Beverly Randolph, who is wearing a much more preppy outfit. And then you have characters like... Right, and Chuck, played by John Philbin, he's kind of preppy too, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and then you have Casey, played by Jewel Shepard, who's a little bit, like, in between the two because she's wearing a more, like, quintessential, like, popular 80s outfit, but she's got mm. that punk-colored hair. You know, and it really is just like a unifier of these kids are all in this together. Like, it doesn't matter what group they're part of or how they dress. Like, they're all fucked over. And so they're together. Yeah, well, I mean, it's why, you know, it's why there's such a focus, I think, on partying. Because it's this idea of, like, you know, for for kids at that age, it's kind of like, you know... You you just want to party so you can forget about how fucking shitty everything else is, you know? Like, these kids... Like, the the characters in Return of the Living Dead, these kids are all just... They... You know, it's almost like they know already, like they they know what their future is. They know Mm -hmm. that it's this future of like misery of like working for the man, you know, and like (laughs) and like, you know, and and committing your whole fucking life to that, basically. And and, you know, being broke, essentially, because that's the other thing that's going on with them is they don't have any fucking money. So they're just, (laughs) you know, like the cars beat up. They can't afford gas, you know? Yeah, for me, like, you know, with the kids, you are getting like this more almost like nihilistic sense of life of they're fucked so they might as well just dress how they want do how they want and you know you get a lot of that in the graffiti you know which you had brought up like you know there's graffiti on like the car that says shit like who cares like freddie's jacket says like fuck off or something like that on the back of it yeah it's why i love suicides uh one of my favorite quotes in the movie where you know he's basically like you think this is a fucking costume? <laughs> this is a way of life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's, I love that line too because, like, it's also emphasizing with the youth so often they're written off, they're written off because they're young or how they dress or any other stupid things to use to write these kids off, but they all have something to say. And I think that that's, I don't know, these are the coolest kids I've ever seen and I want them to I be would, my friend. Yeah, I want to be friends with all of them. I, yeah. I want to hang out with these kids in the cemetery and it's not just because Trash dances naked on the it tombstone. It is because Trash dances naked. But it's a little bit because Trash dances naked <laughs> on the tombstone. Because I, mean, I did not have friends that did that regularly. So. I don't think anybody did. We're all missing out. We all should have had at least two friends that regularly just dance nude on tombstones. Two friends. <laughs> this group only has one. You want two? Well, too, because, you know... You're getting I, a little greedy. I, well, too, because, I mean, I think you got to have dick and pussy out there, you know? Like, e- equal opportunity <laughs> nudity, right? You know, for, like, if you're not into one or the other, then you get one of them, you know? Fair so. enough. <laughs> you know, so it's, we, we get a little bit of both. Yeah, so so it's not it's not weird for certain people, you know? Because they're like, all right, well, I appreciate the show going on over here if I don't appreciate the show going on over there, right? So. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But, all right, so speaking of trash, I mean, we do get, you know, th- this other kind of side of these characters, which... Uh, which I was kind of hinting at with the sense that, you know, they they almost sort of have, like, this acceptance of their lives, which is, mm-hmm. you know, Trash's obsession with death. Yeah. You know, like, she, like she's such a standout character. And, and honestly, it's my favorite Linnea Quigley role because she really does just, I think, just embody this character so well, right? Because Trash mm-hmm. just has this 
sort of attitude of like i don't give a fuck about anything you know yeah and, and i think quigley's just so good at capturing that but 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 i love the fact that you know she is so obsessed with death mm-hmm. because again i think it just plays right into this sort of idea of like these kids just know they almost just like know their fates basically yeah and and trash is this character that i think is like you know she she's moved past the the depressing side of that into <laughs> acceptance where now she's just like in a sense of like man i just hope i go out in like a memorable way you know and like <laughs> like that sort of seems to be like part of her obsession of death is like you know i can't wait to die and i can't i hope it's fucking glorious you know <laughs> see i i feel differently i don't yeah. think that trash has accepted it at all so I think that she understands it. I think that she understands, like all of them do, that they're cogs in the machine that's just kind of waiting to chew them up. And I think that's really evident in her, like, you know, her worst-case death scenario. Because, like, when you really, like, think about it, you know, her worst case is, you know, for a bunch of old men to get around her and start grabbing at her and biting her. And I do not know a better metaphor than working in a goddamn office space. Oh, for me, it's not the office space. For so it could so, be retail. No, 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 not not even retail. Mm-hmm. The the thing that works so well for me with the fact that you know that's her greatest fear and that's what ultimately happens mm-hmm. is that you know what when I envision the the one percent of America, <laughs> I I envision a bunch of you know ancient fucking white people. You know, because they are because that's basically what the one percent is yeah. and fucking and, Bezos. Right, and so you know, and, and to me, you know, a lot of people. <laughs> It's always kind of funny to me because there there is the 1% and, you know, all of us, you know, wish that we had that kind of money. Like, I, I don't think there's anybody that's like, I don't want to be rich, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> but the thing about that is like when you actually look at the 1%, most of them are fucking like shallow, empty shells of people that yep. might as well be fucking zombies themselves, right? Yep. And, you know, so so it works so well because to me trashes death with you know being just surrounded and devoured by Mm. all these zombies you know that that to me is you know it's just again it's playing into the whole idea of like the youth being eaten alive by the one percent like we're you know we're we're the fucking meat for their (laughs) (laughs) we're the fucking you know they're almost like fucking vampires that Mm. are just sucking the life out of us you know yeah like like they're all they're all just these fucking like half dead mummies that (laughs) you know that are living off the rest of us and you know yeah and we'll be happy until they eat our fucking souls yeah no i definitely agree with you on that like i do this is why like i think that she's aware that this is what's gonna happen but you know she says that line about you know how that's her worst case scenario and then immediately proceeds to strip off all of her clothes and And what a show it is (laughs) you know and for me that's her that's her rebellion she is not ready to be that person she knows that it's going to happen eventually and she fears it but she knows that as long as she has her youth you know and she has this personality with her bright red hair and her you know her awesome makeup and all in her rip away shorts who the fuck has rip away crotch rip away shorts we should all have those i will never own those shorts. i'm gonna buy you a pair tomorrow i will throw them in the trash then i'll wear them yes (laughs) and i will rip them off in public at the most inopportune (laughs) time for you That's a deal. Okay. I'll hold you to that. All right. All right. You're going to regret it, but all right. Probably, but it's going to be hilarious. You know, I see it as her, you know, in that moment, reveling in her youth and like in the rebellion and knowing that this is happening eventually. 
But that's why I think that her death is so tragic because mm. she's got this amazing costuming this entire time. Like her outfit's great. She's got this great makeup. She has these like tattoos on her hair is amazing. And in the moment of her death, it's when she looks her youngest because mm. like the rain has washed away all the makeup. Like if you notice, she's got no makeup on anymore. She has barely any clothing. And I feel like for me that really represents, again, what you're talking about, this feeding the youth in. She looks so young, so vulnerable. And then she just gets swarmed by male zombies and dragged <laughs> down. And it's like, for me, one of yeah. the most depressing deaths. Yeah. And I mean, there's of course other stuff there going on that, you know, we probably don't really want to get into, but <laughs> You know, when you think of, like, you know, the fucking Epsteins of the world, fucking thank God he's dead. Yo. Um, you know, the, 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 I, I think that ties into some of that, too, you mm. know, and, like, specifically on young women and kind of how they're, you know, sort of devoured by these old white dudes, you know, yeah. and, like, and and, and, especially, and especially for trash, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is kind of tragic because here is this girl that, is using her body for rebellion and, mm-hmm. you know, stripping and kind and of being, owning it and owning, and, and, it. and owning it. Right. And then mm-hmm. it, it's, it's sad ultimately that, you know, these quote unquote old white men or zombies, mm-hmm. you know, eventually kind of take advantage of that on top of it. So it's, yeah. you know, almost like snuffing it out in a sense. And <laughs> it's why I'm glad she's one of the, the very few of our kids that we actually get to see come back. Because mm. then she gets to run through full of, like, rage and all that kind of stuff and inflicting damage on other people. I'm like, you yeah. know what? You and deserve this trash. You deserve to have a giant mouth and to eat people's brains. Well, and it's great because it doesn't even really make sense, <laughs> you know, because cause we don't see anybody else come back from no. a zombie bite. Nope. <laughs> Nobody else. Uh, so, so it is great that it is trash. And by mm. the way, that giant mouth, just for fans who like this kind of stuff, uh, they actually made two different makeup jobs for trash so like when you see her from a distance mm-hmm. her mouth is closed that's one specific makeup piece mm-hmm. and the mouth open thing that was actually a mask where like the mouth is basically permanently open oh um so that's a separate makeup piece that was made for that that's <laughs> but, cool which reminds me too i i, I don't want to not mention this so like the scene where she is shripping mm-hmm. um and this will just give you all an idea of how much producers can sometimes really fucking suck basically a producer came on the set one time when they were doing that scene mm-hmm. <laughs> and they see this you know they see this like young naked linnea quigley dancing on the tombstone and basically the producers were like oh we can't have that so what they ended up doing is you know i i, I feel weird suggesting that you like pause and look closely or something like that but <laughs> But basically, they they made a prosthetic crotch piece for her, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for her to wear, which she ended up calling like her 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 Barbie piece or something like that. <laughs> oh, it's worse than that. Because when she because so? when she was originally doing the scene, she wasn't shaved at all. She was mm. natural down there. That's how they originally shooting it. The producer came and went, "No, we can't show Bush." So they made her shave, which was humiliating for her. And then they're like, "Oh shit! Now we can see everything. That's not okay either." And then they did the piece. So they just completely humiliated this gorgeous woman, and it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, and, and obviously this ties into like why this was the worst makeup job for her ever. Yeah. You know, because not only she's going through all this like crotch piece stuff, everybody's and, really focused on her vagina. <laughs> right, and 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 that's you know, I mean, look, L- Linnea's a pro; she's mm-hmm. an actress, and like 
you know, and, and she was used to like showing nudity on films and everything, but still doesn't take away from the fact that it's a little fucking weird probably to stand up and dance on a tombstone yeah. when you got everyone looking at your crotch, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's, you know, it's gotta be a little uncomfortable. So, I mean, she really went through a lot for this film. Oh, oh, and actually to add on to that too, which I thought was interesting is, so apparently Dan O'Bannon didn't, you know, this is the 80s. People were naive and kind of stupid back then. So, <laughs> uh, so, and there was still this like horribly sexist kind of take that, you know, women didn't like horror movies as much or anything. So, so, so O'Bannon at the time didn't really think that, according to him, that, that women were going to like show up for the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was actually shocked when he saw that you know, a big chunk of the audience was women coming to Return of the Living Dead. Fuck yeah. And, uh, so so the kind of nice thing from him, although it would have been nicer had he actually done this, mm-hmm. uh, was he did say that if he had known that women were going to show up to the film too, he would have shot a pantless scene with Tom <laughs> Matthews uh, as sort of like an equal opportunity nudity kind of thing. So, we were deprived. <laughs> so we were all deprived of Tom <laughs> Matthews' dick or ass. I'm assuming it would probably would have been ass because you really didn't show dick back then. But <laughs> Yeah, which, you know, I think is kind of for the best sometimes because no offense, hun, but dicks are weird. Dicks are weird. I'm not saying they're not, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be in movies if exactly. you're going to throw pussy in the movies. <laughs> yes, equal opportunity genitalia. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um <laughs> I almost forgot to mention too, you know, something that is interesting to me as well with with Frank and Freddie getting poisoned mm-hmm. is that also to me ties into like the whole fuck you government kind of thing. Yes. Because because I mean, you know, look look at like Flint, Michigan and how the government's basically just like, hey, fuck you, Flint, and yep. you know, drink your poison water. And, you know, that all ties for me into like how, you know, the the our our quote unquote leaders <laughs> are all just you know just basically saying fuck it to the poorer communities and stuff mm-hmm. like that and and how you know they do just kind of like poison the rest of us for their for their own fucking gain you know because all it really yep. comes down to is money you know yep. they they just don't invest in infrastructure and stuff like that so you know no. just just so they can make an extra buck <laughs> no they're entirely willing to just kind of like let people die and not even worry about it again for me that ties back to the fact that like as the boys are getting worse and you can see them getting worse there's never a moment of let's call the paramedics let's call the hospital until basically it's too well, late well they and they and they initially think to call the military and mm-hmm. and you know one of them i forget who is like no fuck the military you don't call the military <laughs> frank's like that he doesn't yeah. want to bring the military in even bert's like that he's basically like we can't tell anyone that yeah, otherwise right. <laughs> i'm gonna be sued no bert's whole thing is he's worried about getting sued well it doesn't matter what his reasoning is they yeah. still end up being right you don't call the military because the military will, fucking sucks and they will <laughs> bomb your entire city and we'll get to that in a sec but i want to talk about this brains thing mm-hmm. and and just the zombies in general because you know we, we mentioned the brains thing but we didn't mention how this was also revolutionary for zombies because this is the first time we really got running zombies yeah, we got fast zombies. We got smart zombies. We got, all, we got talking zombies. Yeah, they were <laughs> able to call on dispatch for more brains. Send more paramedics. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in that, that was huge. And, like, I love fast zombies. I will... I won't fight anyone because I respect people who like slow zombies, but I prefer my zombies fucking fast, fucking smart, because I think that's super entertaining. And that's what we got. Like, you know, Return of the Living Dead looked at Romero's zombies and went, that's really cool. We don't want to step on your toes. So while your zombies are slow and shambling, 
we're gonna do fast, smart zombies that are unkillable. These yeah. zombies, you can't kill. Well, headshots don't work. Well, and that's what's terrifying about them. You know, first of all, it's funny because again, going back to how much producers suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, I don't want to generalize. There are great producers out there. There's like two. But um, <laughs> but I do think that they stifle creativity yep. quite a bit. And you know, they they hated the fast zombies. Like mm-hmm. they they wanted them to be shambling and shit like that. And thank God that O'Bannon and the others were like, no, fuck you, we're doing fast zombies. <laughs> Uh, and it's just funny because it, it just goes to show you like Hollywood is all, you know, and, and those people are always so behind mm-hmm. on, on what the next thing's going to be because now fast zombies are popular. Yeah. You know, but, but at the time, <laughs> but at the time they're like, no, 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 we can't, we can't do anything different. You yeah, know? Fuck that. Difference better. Um, but no, so I mean, the fast zombies are great, but yeah, no, the, the brains thing I always thought was interesting because first of all, as a kid. I had no idea how that worked. I, mm-hmm. I did not understand that at all. Like why they, like why they had to eat the brains because, mm-hmm. well, well, mm-hmm. the, the the zombie that they capture is just like it makes the pain go away, you know. <laughs> but as a kid, that never connected to me. Like, well, why do brains make the pain go away? Mm-hmm. The explanation is that you know it it's because like brains produce endorphins, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like naturally to help pain go away. So like you know say your orgasm that's <laughs> your brain your brain puts out these endorphins that make you feel pretty good for a few minutes you know i mean that's how uh, we handle all headaches in this house yeah exactly <laughs> uh tmi for listeners um <laughs> uh but but you know it's but, but so that's that's technically why the zombies do that um but i always thought the brains thing was cool and especially looking at it now and considering all the you know anti-government the youths in a grinder kind of messaging because mm-hmm. To me, it, it's just another thing where it's like, well, why did zombies eat the brains? Because they want us to be stupid. <laughs> you know, the the to, to me, by the way, I love this whole episode is like, fuck you, government. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, to, but to me, you know, and look, I mean, look around. You see all of it now. You know, you mm. see, especially with, I'm not going to say it's not, a, not both sides. Both sides want us to be dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the GOP especially right now wants us to be fucking stupid. Yep. And, and and you just you see it with everything you know you look at all the like book banning and stuff like mm-hmm. book burning yep. you know and and the misinformation all that stuff like go, you know government thrives from stupidity of its own citizens you know <laughs> and, it does. And, and and that's how these people thrive it's how they keep getting elected and all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. so to me the whole thing with zombies eating the brains it's this idea that you know we are trying or they are trying to keep us dumb you know, by, by taking our brains. <laughs> I, I can totally see that. For me, I was coming at it with a much more, like, retail experience, I guess. You know, for for older people or, like, the dead, because these are, the way I take it is, you know, the whole capitalistic thing, is that these are people who've been in the workforce for a really long time, and their souls have just been crushed. Because that's what <laughs> happens when you work at a job that you don't like because you have to to pay rent. Fuck yeah, it does. I yes, worked it does. I worked a year or two at JCPenney, and holy shit. Well, is that accurate? And think about how much you kind of hate the newbies, the new people, the fresh faces coming in whose souls aren't crushed yet, who are like, I'm here to work my first job, and they're full of pep, and they're full, <laughs> full of energy. Uh, and for- so that's how I kind of viewed it, is just like, it's wanting to pass I, that soul-crushingness on. I, I, I never hated them as much as I hated the management, you know? Th- <laughs> this was this was the kind of, you want to know how awful it was to work at JCPenney for me? Mm-hmm. I, I worked in the men's section, all right? The men's section is like, all of like i don't know 20 square feet like it's it's small it's Mm -hmm. not you know it's like it's like a little corner of the store basically 
I would get to work of my eight-hour shift, and I would finish everything I had to do, stocking, hanging up clothes, cleaning up, whatever. I would finish it all in, like, an hour, right? Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was just seven hours of, like, (laughs) what the fuck do I do to pass time? And they were so strict there that the manager of the store had security watching us on the security cameras. And so if me and anybody else was doing anything but hanging clothes, (laughs) they would literally call us on the fucking phones in each department Mm -hmm. and be like, get back to work. And I'd be like, tell me something to do. And they'd be like, no, work. (laughs) See, so maybe the zombies are management. And they're going after the brains of their workers. Well, but that's what I said. They're the top. They're the yeah. top. They're, they're basically anybody in charge. Yeah. You know, just anybody in charge wants you to be as fucking zombie-like and stupid as possible so yep. that they can just order you around <laughs> and tell you what to do, you know? Like, I get that that is a, a stretch of a take on mm-hmm. the eating of the brains. But yeah. to me, it still comes down to taking the brains from the youth, you know, and, yeah. and turning them into what you want them to be, which is another zombie for yeah. you. <laughs> Look, that's what titty out, you know, half out. out. Sure, titty's out. She's got a boob. Oh, you're, you're referring zombie. to titty out as trash? What? No, no, no. <laughs> the zombie that they talk to that explains why they eat the she brains. She has two titties out, Chris. She is... She is not wearing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but you can only predominantly see one. No, you can see both. <laughs> no, you can just see one. I don't know why you imagined in your mind that you can only see one tip, but you can see both. <laughs> Either way, titty out zombie. You know, she is... Thank God we got a zombie with tits in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Equal opportunity tits. Old tits and young tits. Uh, Sure, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, no, she basically says that. It's about eating basically the joy of other people and draining that out of them. Yeah, essentially. Have we ruined Return of the Living Dead yet for anybody listening? I hope not. <laughs> we love this movie. Um, well, no, I know, but it's like once you really start talking about all the themes, it's like, fuck, this movie's depressing. It's very depressing. <laughs> but, I mean, not that we don't know that because the ending is, in fact, depressing. You oh, know? my God. I mean, this this all goes back to, like, you know, what you said earlier on, which is that, you know... <laughs> Everything in America sucks. Yep. And if it's made in America, it sucks. If it's leadership, it sucks. Nope. Nobody wants to take accountability for anything. They'd rather just sweep it under the rug. It's what we see throughout the entire movie. You know, when the canisters first show up at that medical thing, they could have called the army and said this was a mistake, but they chose not to. No, no, no. Don't don't put the don't put this on Bert and Frank. I no, mean, no, no, I'm not putting it well, I'm putting it on Bert. Because Bert's management and fuck that guy. I'm not putting on Frank because I no, love Frank. Bert's fine. I I like Bert for the most part. Now, granted, it is part of Bert's mistake, but yeah. it's but you have to understand it's it's it all comes down to being the military's mistake because yes. the military are the ones who accidentally set this super top secret. <laughs> fucking canisters of goddamn zombies they lost them to a fucking shitty warehouse in the middle of nowhere all right like it's it's not bert's fault that he no. got the a fucking top secret shipment that they're gonna arrest him and kill him for having seen you oh know? not just kill me they bombed the entire town to cover up their mistake no i'm saying that could be part of why he didn't call them in the first place because he's like huh Maybe the military won't like me talking about fucking zombie canisters <laughs> in my basement, you know? Like, Fair enough. Uh, which you do have to wonder, like, how has Bert gotten through so many years of... How have Bert and Frank gotten through so many years of life without talking about fucking zombies in the basement? <laughs> uh, maybe because they don't touch the canisters until they're trying to, like, show off for Freddy. They I mean, know Fra- what they are. Like, uh, like Frank's wife 
He's he has to have told her about these zombies in the basement, right? I would have told you. I would have been like, Chris, there are fucking zombies in the basement. They the work in a weird medical supply company. They've seen some weird shit. I feel like zombies in the basement is just par for the course um, for that. No, Chris, I feel like zombies kind of trump anything. They weird have things. a half dog. They have a half dog. Are you fucking telling me that you think <laughs> a half dog is on the same level as fucking zombies? I'm saying that if you work in a place that has a half dog and skeletons on the reg, maybe zombies, they don't even know they're zombies. They just know that their body's in canisters. Okay, quick fun story before I forget, because uh, I think it's one of the most fascinating parts of the Return of Living Dead. So you know how they have that whole conversation? We'll get back, we'll get back to yeah. the ending, I swear. Uh, you know how they have that whole conversation about the skeletons with perfect teeth. Mm -hmm. So that scene, actually, Dan O'Bannon threw that in because Toby Hooper was actually originally supposed to, or originally going to direct this film or attached to it. And one of the things that Toby Hooper told Dan O'Bannon mm -hmm. was this thing about how he believed that in India, there was a skeleton farm because his whole idea was like, how are they getting all of these skeletons with perfect teeth? Mm -hmm. You know, because when you think about it, like a skeleton has perfect teeth, you're probably a teenager at best, right? Or at oldest, because I'm sorry, I don't mm -hmm. know many people in their 20s that have perfect teeth, you know? So mine are filled with cavities. Uh, mine are <laughs> definitely not perfect. So, <laughs> you know, so, so Toby believed that India was like into some seedy shit. And had this sort of like skeleton farm, essentially. Uh, so, that, so that's where the story comes from. The really interesting part, though, is after Return Living Dead released, India suddenly stopped producing these skeletons. <laughs> and O'Bannon believes that it was because of this movie and because it was sort of calling that out. Oh, my and, God. <laughs> and he thinks that and he, and he always kind of thought that, like, well, maybe they saw this and were like, shit, they're on to us. <laughs> Uh, so I always thought that was kind of it's weird, and weird and creepy, but but funny. Um, but yeah, no, this ending, you know, the the the, I mean, it's it's honestly terrifying. You know, mm -hmm. it's funny because the the ending to this film used to really piss me off as a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, like I hated it. I yeah. hated it when I was a kid, and you know, part of that is because you know, when you first get attracted to horror, for me at least, uh, one of the best things about it was I I love seeing the heroes you know, win. Yeah. I, I love seeing the heroes defeat the evil and all that kind of stuff. Granted, I love my, you know, negative endings. Halloween mm. three is an all timer <laughs> for me, but, but you love like as the outcast, as the bully kid, you love to see the heroes, you know, take down the villain. Mm -hmm. And so seeing these kids and like everything that they go through just to get nuked in the end, like that fucking sucks. Yeah. You know, like that really sucks. Like that's, that's a downer of an ending. <laughs> yeah. But I think that it ties into like what you've talked about before about, you know, this Colonel is somebody who lives on high. He has no idea about these people or what it's like for them to live their lives. And for him, it's an easy decision. Just, you know, fucking kill them. And the thing that kills me with this is the, the army dude who like, you know, lines of the missile whatever he seems like he's the same age as the kids in our in our movie well yeah but he's he's one of those brainless zombies now yeah. where he, he works for the man and so he mm. does whatever the man says exactly no, no arguments you mm -hmm. know um and no look i mean that's the thing is like yeah that's the point is mm -hmm. it's supposed to piss you off yeah you know it's supposed to make you angry it's supposed to frustrate you and and it does like you know and especially and especially now you know <laughs> we've <laughs> This, let me tell you, this was an odd time to revisit this movie because, <laughs> you know, we're we're in the midst of another 
uh, potential Cold War, if not worse, mm-hmm. uh, at the moment. And, you know, it, it, I, I swear to God, like, every time I hear a plane fly overhead, I'm like, you know, I, I tense up, like, are we about to get nuked, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with, with everything that's going on with Russia. And, you know, it, it's just, it's chilling to think just how easy it is for, like, one psychotic person mm-hmm. to just press a goddamn button and then that's it. You know, that's the end of millions and millions of people. Yeah. And just the callousness uh, of the of the colonel and like everyone involved. And, you know, the colonel's like, I think he might be on the phone with the president uh, in the end or 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 or, or, or like someone high up. And just like they're kind of like even joking about it in a sense of Mm -hmm. like. And, and they're like, oh, yeah, only only 4,000 casualties. And someone's like, that's fucking 4,000. That is a lot of people. Yes. You know? And, and they're just like, yeah, no, it, it's all it's all worked out for the best for everybody. And I'm like, well, not for those 4,000 people and their families. <laughs> the thing that kills me with the end scene is, you know, he's having that conversation. And he is so far removed from everything. Like, when you hear him talking to Bert, and Bert's freaking out about everything he's gone through, understandably so. And the colonel is ice cold. There is no inflection in his voice. And then when he's talking to his superior later, and he makes a comment where he goes, no, sir, this hasn't been a very pleasant night for anybody. I'm like, you (laughs) motherfucker, you just murdered a shit ton of people. And then it all ties back into American incompetency because they've made the situation worse because the fires are going to feed into the rain clouds. You're going to get more fucking zombies. And I hope they eat your your ham lamb chop loving ass yeah no that line kills me because it's like I, i'm excuse me uh, this night hasn't been great for anybody motherfucker you've been sleeping this entire time well your fucking mistake is running around eating the brains of these youths <laughs> you got to eat lamb chops twice in your fancy stupid house right with your stupid shitty artwork that you probably paid way too much money for you know like, but no but again you know it's it, it all ties back to like that that you know it, it's a middle finger to me it's a middle finger to the military and mm-hmm. those people at the top because look i'm not gonna say I, i'm not gonna sit here and pretend like i know what it's like to be president or a colonel or anybody that has to make that decision you know mm-hmm. i'm not gonna pretend like i know what that's like to to you know push a button and decide like okay i'm gonna kill four thousand people right now mm-hmm. um but it's still you know i i will say this it's a hell of a lot better to be in that position than to be one of the people on the opposite end of that button, you know? Yeah. And, and it just like, it just kills me that, you know, that, that this is sort of speaking to the idea that, you know, when we go to war, when we bomb places or anything mm-hmm. like that, you know, it is people just sitting in an office being like, I'm not fucking going to war. I'm yeah. going to send all these kids to do it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like, it's not, it's not my life at risk, you know, that, like, it's not they, the president's life at risk. It's everybody else fucking going off to war, so... Yeah, they don't consider the people or anything like that. Everything is just a number to them. Yeah. There's an acceptable number for them of, like... Is to your point, like, 4,000 dead? All right, yeah. whatever. Yeah, exactly. Better than 10,000, which, I mean, accurate, mm-hmm. but also... You bombed your own country, <laughs> men. Yeah, so, so I mean, we go on about that forever, yeah. but it's... Yeah, no, it's depressing. It's meant to be. Mm-hmm. So if you're one of those people that's always been like, I fucking hate the ending of The Return of the Living Dead, guess what? You're kind of supposed to hate it. Yep. You know, you're kind of supposed to be pissed off and be like, that fucking sucks. <laughs> and we are right there with you. It's right. the ending the movie needs, but it's fucking sucks <laughs> yeah well and and it feels like the only ending there could have been because mm-hmm. again zombies you can't kill terrifying yeah there's no way to stop them <laughs> you know that that's the scariest part about return of living dead is you can't just shoot them in the head nope you they have just to keep coming <laughs> you have to burn them on a cloudless day 
<laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, all right, so we do have to start wrapping up. So uh, who is your killer idiot of The Return of the Living Dead? The fucking army idiot who lost the canisters in the first place, you dumb dumb. Who, whoever that dumb piece of shit is, you know. Fuck the, you. This guy who's not even in the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck you, George. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's actually a better answer than mine for once. Um, yes. <laughs> Uh, but m- mine's Frank for hitting the canister. I mean, I'm sorry, Frank. Um, first of all, you should know by now, because you live in America. If it's made in America, it's crap. Yeah, but he's <laughs> trying to impress Freddy. I don't care. That canister <gasps> looks like it's about to fucking combust on itself, all right? You don't even fucking touch that shit. <laughs> Have you never wanted to prove yourself cool to a new, like, coworker? It's not about him showing him the zombie, Chris. It's about him fucking hitting the canister with his hand. <laughs> And being like, this was made in America. This is tough as steel, you know? Like, no, Frank, no, it's not. <laughs> Don't touch that. <laughs> All right. Actually, one last thing I forgot because I really want to mention before we, <laughs> before we end this <laughs> is, speaking of almost falling apart, I do want to give a shout out to Alan Troutman as the Tar Man zombie who mm-hmm. we somehow got through this whole episode without talking about mm-hmm. because he's one of the most iconic zombies ever put on film. Yep. And, you know, like, the whole thing with the zombies in the movie is they were all heavily inspired by, like, uh, EC zombies, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the kind of, like, zombies that you would see in those anthology comics. And Alan Troutman was a brilliant actor uh, in the way that he portrayed the Tar Man because his whole concept with it was, like, this idea of it's a balancing act of walking around because basically the thought was run, run, move is, like, everything's just going to fall apart. Like all the bones are going to slip off and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it just, you know, it, it ultimately made just one of the coolest zombie movements probably ever put on film. So can I make the argument that he might be the only iconic zombie? Mm, you would be wrong because Bub from day of the dead is very much an iconic zombie. Okay. So. We got two. We have a lot, but so no, he's not the only iconic nah, one, he's but, the only he, iconic. but he is, he's, one of the top three. So. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, continuing. So, Killer Death. Who's your Killer Death of the Return of Living Dead? Okay, so I fucking love it when the yellow cadaver, uh, like, eats it. Um, the yellow cadaver is played by uh, Terrence Houlihan. Um, and here's my thing. You I just love the pickaxe on the head and him screaming? Yes, I do. I <laughs> fucking... <laughs> <laughs> I lose it every time because, like, it's the moment that they realize, like, the movies lied. They put the pickaxe in. The zombie just starts screaming, understandably so, because he's got a pickaxe in his head. That's one of the funniest fucking things in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> and then Freddy just going, the movies lied to us. <laughs> How dare how dare those movies lie to us? It's just it's everything's so perfect. There's I a thought lot everything of- I saw on TV was true, which, you know, is coincidentally the biggest problem in America. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Yellow Cadaver wins it for me because of his his high pitched scream. Uh, that's fair. Um I wouldn't really call it a death though, because it doesn't die there, Chris, but <laughs> Okay, but we'll, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. Um fucking I- rude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to go suicide getting his brains eaten by Tarman because I just love that moment where Tarman's like, brains, and he yeah. just takes a nice big chomp out of him, which I get the feeling that that was actually supposed to be much bloodier because because mm-hmm. O'Bannon kind of a pl- – he, he, he wasn't really uh, happy with the film when it released because it kind of sounded like he didn't get a lot of things that he wanted because of budgetary reasons. Mm-hmm. And so, like, during the commentary when Scuzz, uh, who we didn't even mention, played by Brian Peck, gets eaten – and his brains get eaten. You know, there's like this big kind of like blood geyser. Mm-hmm. And and O'Bannon on the commentary is kind of like, there it is. There's my blood geyser. <laughs> finally, you know. And I just I just got the sense like he wanted 
more. more of the deaths to be a lot bloodier. So I, I wonder if I wonder if uh, Suicide's death was originally supposed to be like way more yeah. intense, but <laughs> but I still love it because I yeah. just love I love I love how happy Tarman is. He is. Tar- Tarman is so happy to have brains <laughs> I in love his when, presence. I love when the kids scream and he looks at them. He's like, "More, more brains!" brains. <laughs> he's so excited. He's really happy. I love yep. Tarman. Uh, all right. What about your killer MVP? Okay, so I wanted to give it to the costumer, but I had a hard time figuring out exactly who was responsible for the costumes. So when researching it, um, William Stout, who's the production designer, had a hand in it. And then our, our costumers who you know were credited were uh, Dino G. Coleman, uh, Leslie Levin, and Beverly Val- Valbron. Um, all kind of contributed to doing the costuming. And look, the costuming for me makes this, but there's a little things in here that I think are hilarious that they did. Like Freddie's jacket says like, fuck you or fuck off on it. I want that jacket. You can buy that jacket. I Googled. Um, (laughs) But they realized they can't use that shot for any TV version of the movie. So they reshot the one scene where you can see the back with the jacket that says like television version which I think is hilarious and amazing. That's pretty great. (laughs) And also, Tina's outfit that she wears was originally supposed to be spiders, I believe, but none of her outfits fit her character, so she literally ended up stealing a costume from one of the other characters, and it works so perfectly for her. And, like, it's those weird little costuming things that I think are awesome and really, like, made this movie. So whoever the fuck designed the costumes and figured all that shit out, you win. Ah, you, you named them. Those were the wardrobe people. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, so mine's gonna go to Linnea Quigley because look, I it's because of the naked dance, isn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, partially because yes, it is the most iconic moment from the movie. Like, mm-hmm. if you talk to anybody about Return of the Living Dead, one of the first things they're gonna mention to you is fucking Linnea Quigley <laughs> and trash dancing on a tombstone naked. All right, it's just. It's great. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> and it's not just because of tits, although partially because of tits. But no, but tits. no, it goes to Linnea because, look, you know, people, if you've never worked on a film set, like, you really got to understand how difficult these things are sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think I think anybody watching can understand, like, you know, how difficult it is to, to shoot a scene where you're dancing naked yeah. in front of a bunch of people. But the thing that you might not get is the rain element of it mm-hmm. and shooting in the rain because – you know, it, again, if you've never been on film sets and you're not really sure how it all works, it's easy to watch these movies and be like, oh, yeah, you know, the, the rain shot. I, mm-hmm. I see this scene for like a minute and whatever. But in reality, you know, that rain scene is days and days yep. sometimes of being wet and naked mm-hmm. and in the cold, you know, because that's the other no thing. No shoes. A, that's the other thing is a lot of movies are shot, you know, in, in colder temperatures or, you know, when, when it's easier to shoot certain places. And so, like, mm-hmm. this cast was fucking miserable uh, in dealing <laughs> with all the rain. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I just think that, you know, Quigley just deserves it for, for that alone because here's this actress who not only had to, you know, has the most iconic moment, but not only has to you know, dance naked in front of everyone, mm-hmm. but then has to be naked in rain with a bunch of fucking random ass extras piling on top of her and like ripping yep. at her and stuff. Like, you know, she went through just hell for this shoot. And so I think the combination of that and her having that iconic scene, she just, to me, I think deserves to like, you know, get that MVP award. Like, like, yeah. like Linnea, you went through fucking hell for this movie you deserve all of the rewards for Return of the Living Dead. I mean, she's <laughs> naked 90% of her screen time. 
Right, exactly. Like, like, this, this that was just, sucks. Yeah, like this is just not an easy movie for her to do. It does mm-hmm. not matter how comfortable she is with nudity or anything mm-hmm. like that. Not an easy role to play. No. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, as usual on Twitter, every week we like to put up a poll, kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it uh, on our Twitter at Killer Critics. So, between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where do you think the audience falls on The Return of the Living Dead? I mean, obviously, love it. Like, no competition. <laughs> It is no competition, Chris. Uh, so, so 75%, a whopping 75% said love it. Uh, 15.8% said it's fine. 1.3% said don't like it. And 7.9% said never seen it. So, um, so no. 7.9% need to get on this shit. Yeah, no judgment on the 1%. Nope. We all like what we like. But that yeah. 8%, you gotta go watch this movie. Go this movie this fucking movie. rules. Yep. Uh, so, we always like to get comments from you all on Twitter as well. So, uh, we got just a few of these here. And look, I always like to, I want to thank everybody. We got a ton of comments for this. I try to get to, we can only ever get to five. So, you know, mm. I'm sorry if we don't get to your comment, <laughs> but <laughs> but we really appreciate you all leaving the comments that you do. So uh, first up is at T2K Freaker. So that's T, the number two, K, F-R-E-E-K-E-R. And they say, look, it's like this. I hate running zombies. But in this film, it totally works. It's a perfect blending of great horror, dark humor, an absolute hoot of an 80s film with a killer soundtrack all rolled into one. It's a perfect film. They don't make them like this now, sadly. I definitely agree with that last statement. We just, we don't get films like this that often anymore. Um, It hurts my heart that you don't like running zombies, but I respect it. And I'm glad we can agree. I'm with you. I prefer slow zombies too. (laughs) Running zombies. I think they're scarier. Running zombies are, they're too much. (laughs) Look, slow zombies, like they're easy to escape. You're an idiot if you get caught by a slow zombie. I just, I'm just saying. No, to me, that's, to me, that's part of the terror slow zombies because slow zombies they're eventually just all gonna, like, you know, yeah, get th- on you. That's <laughs> why I like these running zombies because it's the slow death. <laughs> Fuck slow deaths! I want to go out in a blaze of glory. R- running zombies to me are the equivalent of a jump scare, and I'm not knocking jump scares. Everybody likes, you know, mm-hmm. everybody has their taste of what they like for scares. Um, but but to me, running zombies are the equivalent of jump scare. It's an easier scare. Yeah. Than to scare you with a slow zombie because a slow zombie is more about dread building. <laughs> Fair enough. And I am surprised that the music is amazing in this and we haven't talked about that. Like, even I know. Oh, yeah. It's punk as fuck. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> even I noticed how good the music is, which I feel like is always a testament to One it. of the best horror soundtracks ever. Yep. This is one of the few that I might listen to. I don't like scores. It's I not respect- a score if it's a soundtrack, Chris. <laughs> That's true. It's all music music, isn't it? Yes, it's all real bands, Chris. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Never mind, I'll listen to the soundtrack. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, but no, I mean, look, I, I completely agree. And, and you know, yeah, sadly, we don't really get a lot of movies like this anymore. It's a different time, you know. Yeah. It, it, it was the 80s, now we're in the fucking 2020s, different time for horror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it, it is the perfect blending of all that. And look, you know, something I'll add to it, since you said it's a perfect film, Clue uh, Gallagher, who had just, or Clue Gallagher, who just had a, a, an amazing career doing all kinds of movies. In an interview, he said that you know, of everything that he's done, he's done maybe five films that he considers to be a work of art, mm-hmm. and Return of Living Dead is one of those. You know that that's how much that's, and to me, that's that's a huge honor. I think coming from him and everything that he's done is he considers of everything 
this is one of the five that is actually a work of art that he's done. <laughs> Which is awesome considering that I think he was cast the day before he started. He was, yeah. No, he, oh, he was I a... I, I don't remember who was originally in the role or anything like that, but he was kind of a last-minute casting. And yeah, he just came in like a total pro and just nailed it. So Awesome. But anyway, so thank you at T2K Freaker for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Eraserhead333. So that's Eraser head and the numbers three 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 and they say return of living dead showed that the zombie genre could be hilarious as well as terrifying <laughs> agreed it's one of the things that i love about this and i love the fact that we got this early enough i guess like it coming out in the 80s was you know perfect because we could have just continued with the the romero and had the the slow the existential the more serious stuff and i love the fact that return of the living zombies kind of came out and went we respect the fuck out of romero we're not going to step on his toes let us present you with this different zombie take which has kind of allowed the zombie genre to mix and match elements that they like from basically both and create well, their own like amalgamation of zombies well look like, like we already said it was revolutionary yeah you know it, it honestly did open up the doors as they say as Eraserhead says uh you know for for zombies to be you know a little more tongue-in-cheek mm -hmm. uh, and have a little more fun with it because you know, it's not it's not like there weren't, you know, potentially unintentionally funny zombie films beforehand or anything mm -hmm. like that. Uh, but this was really kind of the first one that just fully embraced uh, the idea of making zombies all about the comedy. Mm -hmm. But it's also the best example of a horror comedy because it is still terrifying. Yeah. You know, like O'Bannon shits on him or, you know, he, he shit on himself for... Uh, for not being a good enough director, but I always thought his direction was perfect. You know, it was I, great uh, because he, the thing that he does is he brings a true sense of horror to everything by playing it all straight. Like it mm -hmm. is, it is a horror film that is played straight, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's what works best with horror comedy is when the characters aren't so fucking self-aware of the fact that they're in a comedy, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and they, and they play it a little more realistically you know, because we all would kind of have some of the reactions that they do of just being like, oh, fuck, you know, <laughs> just freaking out, yeah. which is hilarious for us to watch. Mm -hmm. But that's how a lot of us would be. And just what else are you going to do, you know, except for sit in a corner and cry like you're going <laughs> to fucking freak out and be like, what the fuck is happening? Um, so so he was just he was just brilliant at, at bringing both of those elements to the film and just kind of blending them together in a way that you know, is really difficult to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why I do think he was a great director because yeah. it's really tough. It's really tough to make a, a horror comedy that is both scary and hilarious. And The Return of the Living Dead is one of the rare examples that is both. So, mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, thank you at Eraserhead333 for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at sinful underscore redhead. Sarah, I love saying your Twitter handle. It's it's always fun. Um, uh, so that's S-I-N-N-F-U-L underscore redhead. This is my friend Sarah. She has a podcast as well that you should check out, so follow her. Uh, but she says, I love this movie. One of the reasons why I love it so much is that this is the movie that introduced me to Scream Queen Linnea Quigley. Trash was my favorite character. I wanted to be trash after I saw this movie, and it made me just fall in love with Linnea as a horror icon. I mean, absolutely agree. Who doesn't want to be trash after watching this movie? And then, I want to be trash. I want to be with trash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're already with trash, but in a different sense. That's a different sense. kind of trash. <laughs> <laughs> but 
yeah, and it's you know it's the thing for me that I love because um I'm not always good with like recognizing people. So being married to Matt really helps because he points out and Linnea Quigley has embodied so many roles that I fucking love. I love how she portrays her roles. I love her costuming that she always ends up in because between trash and then the character from Night of the Demons, I am fucking obsessed with her. Yep. Like. I would leave Matt for her. I'm sorry, hon. You I would also it. leave me for her. I get it. I would. <laughs> if Linnea Kling was like, hey, come, you know. Let's... I, I would not blame you. Yeah, no. It's a, I, I would not be surprised if she is on, you know, a bunch of people's, like, if I ever had the chance, like, a fair list, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so, no, yeah, no. I, I completely agree with Sarah. Like, uh, Linnea is awesome. Uh, I, again, I think this is her best role personally. Yes. Uh, I, I love her as this character and, and I really do just think, you know, Linnea is a total pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she, she brings something to every film that she does that, you know, frankly, like a lot of people and understandably, uh, would be uncomfortable doing. And yet she, she does these things that I think would, you know, it, make a lot of people not want to do that role. And, and Linnea is just awesome at it. So it's tough doing nudity scenes and Linnea, what's brilliant about her. And what I love about her is that she owns the scene. And anytime she is naked, it never feels like it's for the audience. Mm. She feels in control. She feels powerful. Oh, and, totally. And the, that's what comes across. Oh, totally. The, the cemetery dance scene, it, you know, obviously it's for the audience, mm-hmm. but she, but you're right. She doesn't make it feel that way. She makes no. it feel like, well, this is just what my character wants. That dance is <laughs> for her we're just yeah. privileged enough to watch it exactly yeah we're just lucky enough to be flies on the wall for that so. yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway thank you at sinful underscore redhead appreciate it uh next up is a comment from at narcotic casser one so that's narcotic c-a-s-s-e-r and then the number one and they say a brilliant balls to the wall horror comedy with a fantastic cast of horror alumni quotable dialogue and legitimately chilling moments Quote, it makes the pain go away, <laughs> end quote. Uh, I love how the story keeps escalating and getting more and more dire, and yet it never loses its humorous edge. Yeah, look, for me, I have to say, I love the amount of Friday the 13th alums who are in this because it's Jason. Great. <laughs> yeah. Always Jason. But no, it's, it is really impressive that you can have a horror comedy that has an entire scene about rabid weasels. <laughs> And it's still scary and escalates not only, like, the fear, but the comedy beyond that. Like, that's just no. impressive. Like, they're able to say rabid weasels with a fucking straight face. Yeah. I, I mean, look, you know, I have to totally agree with that. Like, being a writer myself, the once you get past, especially in something like this, once you get past the first half of the film, it is really difficult to balance the horror and the comedy mm-hmm through the second act or, or through the second half of the film, because you don't want to be too campy. You don't want to be too intense. And return living that is a film where like things are getting more and more intense. They're getting really fucking awful. Mm-hmm. And yet O'Bannon still finds a way to insert comedy that, you know, isn't just funny, but feels natural. Yeah. You know, like that, that's a difficult task. So, yeah. um, so, so any of you out there that, you know, are looking to write horror comedies like this is a film you need to study. It's it's a perfect example of how to do this kind of thing. Uh, so anyway, thank you at Narcotic Caster One for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, and then lastly is a comment from at Shannon Morant. So that's S H A N N O N M O R A N T. And they've got a couple questions for us. Uh, so they so they ask, 
Did you like the fact that the zombies run and talked and that you couldn't kill them? And would you have done what the government did and blow up the town? (laughs) Those are tough questions. Um, Okay. Obviously, I love I love fast zombies. So I love the fact that these zombies are fast. I love the fact that they can coordinate, you know, because it, it gives us a different dimension to zombies, which I think is super cool. And no. I'm, I'm glad that not on a lot of other films take it to that level because I think that's really hard to balance. Um, but I love them in this. I love the fact they have coordinated attacks like fucking piranhas. Yeah. Where they just fucking swarm out of nothing and it's overtake. Amazing. I love it. You know, when it comes to the decision made at the end by the army to blow up everything, I don't know if I could have made that decision because, like, that's that's a tough call to make. And I want I want to say that for me, I would not be so callous with it. Oh. Well, I mean, so here's the thing. I, <laughs> so, so we, we talked a lot about the other, about the first question, you know, mm. I, I do, I do like that they run and talk in this. I think that's all great. It's not my preference for mm-hmm. zombies, but I think it works perfectly in this film. Um, as far as the question of what I blow up the town, um, I mean, <sighs> honestly, yes. And, and the thing yeah. is, the thing is, I wouldn't be callous, like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like this colonel where I'm just like, oh, yeah, you know, this worked out for all of us. And, you know, just be like so fucking happy-go-lucky about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would probably never sleep again and end up in a mental institution, most likely, because I don't, <laughs> think, I, I don't think I could live with the guilt, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but if I had to make that decision... I mean, yeah, because there's no there's no fucking way to kill these things. Yeah, you know, so it's either it's either four thousand people or the world. So, um, yeah. So, so I I would have made the same decision, but I definitely would not be able to live with it the way that it seems like this colonel is going to be just fine. You know. <laughs> yeah. See, I feel like he clearly seems to know that the zombies are unkillable for the most part. So, like, for me, I'd at least try to do some kind of evacuation. <laughs> like, I don't know, get the army in there but, with flamethrowers. But, but, and I, like... but, but I think the thing is they don't have time. I you know? know. I mean, like, they're all already loose and they're trying to hit. I mean, you know, like, like nukes are so sort of precise, you know, that mm. they're, they're trying to hit the optimal spot and kill all these zombies as quick as they can. Before they all escape and eat everybody, you know. So it's just like I don't disagree. It's just the thing that I the thing that I will say though is like you know, th- we would I would only say yes for sure mm-hmm. if I knew that the zombie bites and stuff like that turned people, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that they know that. I don't if, think they have any research. If they don't have that research, then I think it's a more difficult decision. But I think knowing that the zombies turn more people into more zombies. Mm -hmm. If you know that, then yes, absolutely. It sucks, but you have to do it. You know? Yeah, but they're also turning more zombies because the fires are going up into the clouds. Well, but they don't, but they don't, but they don't know that shit. I know. You know? Because they're idiots. (laughs) Oh, because they are idiots. But, but yeah, no, so I don't know. That's my shitty answer, man. Like, I gotta be honest, like, I'm not joining the military, so I don't have to make these decisions. Yeah, no, this is exactly why I would never do the military stuff. Yeah, like, I'm gonna I, die in that cemetery I, with trash. I can't make these decisions. <laughs> I struggle. I struggle killing insects in my apartment. All right, like it's true. I, he I does. Not, I would not be able to do this job. I kill all um, of our insects. Yeah, no, Chris is the murderer in our apartment. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. but but yeah no that would be i think that would have to be my decision as shitty as it would be it's like uh, it's either the zombies or the whole country i don't know tough call <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so thank you at Shannon Morant for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, so one last thing we do before wrapping up here is just kind of your releases for the week and what to look out for. So uh, first up is a film called Master, and this comes to Prime on the 18th. Uh, I really enjoyed this film. Well, I sh- enjoy might be the wrong word. It's a great film. Uh, I-, I caught this at Sundance. It's a difficult movie. you know. Mm. It, so essentially it's about a... Uh, a black girl who is attending a college that she slowly uh, if it's been a while since I've seen it, but she's basically attending this college and there's this legend of like some kind of ghost uh, that haunts the room that she's staying in. Mm -hmm. And basically kind of what's going on is the longer that she's staying there, uh, the more that she's realizing that, you know, this college has a lot of like racism going on and it's all presented as being like a uh, an all inclusive kind of college, but it's really not, you know. It's but all it's, pack of lies. Oh, it's all pack of lies, and it, yeah, it, it basically, essentially, what the film does is it tackles it tackles like institutional racism through the education system, mm-hmm. uh, through through this girl's character, and Regina Hall plays uh, kind of like the headmaster of the college, but she still has like all of her peers that she has to sort of appease and she's also beginning to realize like how kind of racist the place is and why she got the role that she did through all these white people you know but yeah so it's just a it's a really tough film you know it's it's <laughs> uh it it's uncomfortable it's depressing um but it is also pretty scary at times and i i highly recommend it it's from it's from a director that i actually interviewed a long time back uh mariama diallo and she's fucking fantastic at what she does uh she has a great style she has a really good technique i think she's gonna be a great director to keep an eye out for um so i do highly recommend checking out master just again be warned it's a difficult film yeah you know so be prepared for that another film coming out uh, in theaters on the 18th is uma which stars sandra oh and it basically deals with like uh korean folklore and it's a ghost story and it just it seems like a really cool movie this one I haven't seen yet, but but I'm very much looking forward to it. So I can't so I can't really say much else than that, other than it looks pretty neat. I want to see it. Uh, and then <laughs> and then another film coming out to theaters uh, on the 18th is X. So this is the new Ty West film, who many of you probably know from House of the Devil or The Sacrament. Uh, and let me just tell you, I saw this the other night. It is now my favorite Ty West film. It has been <laughs> The House of the Devil for a very long time. X just beat it out. This film is awesome. It's basically about, uh, it takes place in 1979. And it's basically about a, uh, a crew of uh, wannabe famous people who are sitting out to shoot a porno uh, with the hopes of, you know, making money and selling it. And honestly, it's not a bad idea because it's at the time where, you know, the VHS market hasn't exploded yet. So they're basically kind of getting right in on, you know, the beginning of like the porn boom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So they basically rent out this house from this old couple that owns the property. Only the old couple doesn't know that they're there to shoot a porn. And let's just say things get very weird and bloody and murdery <laughs> quickly. <laughs> and so this one, like, look, I loved this movie. Uh, it's it's a throwback to the 70s exploitation era. It gives you all of the sex, drugs, and blood that and gore that you can handle. Uh, and it's it's very weird. It's very fun. It's pure camp. It knows exactly what it is. 
and I just had a total blast at this movie. It's not going to be for everybody because it does go to like some kind of some kind of weird, you know, <laughs> depraved sexual places. Not rape, but like mm-hmm. you know, it goes. It gets pretty weird at times, and I'm not sure that everyone's going to quite get what X is throwing down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, but it's a super well made movie. I absolutely loved it. There's a reason that a prequel has already been shot for it. Oh, you know, shit. like like so so obviously West did a great job of convincing A24, uh, who produced it to, to do this prequel already, <laughs> and you can see why. Like I loved this movie. I think it's going to end up being on everyone's best horror of the year list. Uh, and I really don't want to, you know, oversell it or anything. But <laughs> when I got home from seeing this at the theater the other night, I told Chris that I wish the review that I was writing could just be, <laughs> uh, 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 you're going to love it. Go watch it. <laughs> you know? That is um, literally what happened. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. I loved it. I If you see anything this weekend, please, please, please go see X if you feel comfortable being in theaters. Otherwise, I promise you it is worth the rental once you're able to rent it. So... Mm. Uh, but anyway, so that's going to do it for us on The Return of the Living Dead. Uh, next week, we are going to be discussing the John Cusack film Identity. Fucking uh, love which, this movie. That's a great movie. <laughs> I, I really loved it when it came out. And uh, this should still be streaming on Netflix. You can get a head start on your homework there if you want and check it out. Uh, otherwise, that's going to do it for us on The Return of the Living Dead and all that. So I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye. Birds. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night. Horror fans.